I encourage you to get that uh, CD of all the songs of the month. It's always a great reminder of where we have been all year. And then the songs are also awesome to be singing. Uh, the Lord is worthy of our worship. Amen? Amen. All right, I'm going to ask you to take your Bible and turn to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. When you get there, you can go to verse 6. If you want to use that pew Bible there in front of you, it's on page 792 in the pew Bible. 792 in the pew Bible, Isaiah chapter 9. And in just a few moments, we will read verses 6 and 7 as we begin. We draw names. I don't know about you and how you all handle Christmas, but we draw names for both sides of our family as it relates to Christmas. And on at least one side of our family, we use a website. It's pretty cool. It's called drawnames.com. Now, you can go check it out, but on drawnames.com, you create a group, and everybody gives you their email, and everyone in the group logs in, and at their convenience, they can log in, and all your family's been set up in there, and you hit this little button, and it spins around, and it draws the name that you get for Christmas that year, that, that who you're buying for. Now, you can set it up in this uh, app to where you can create certain rules like you cannot get yourself. I think that's a dumb rule. I would love to get my own name. But you can't get yourself, and I think that we've even set it up to where you cannot get, in our family, this person that you had last year, so it keeps some, uh, you know, uniqueness going on uh, in there. I am likely the name in my family that people like to get least. Um. It's, I seem to be the hardest person to buy for, or at least I am the least fun person to buy for. This year, though, I've already sent it out. I know exactly what I want, and it's going to be so cool. You guys are going to want to do this as well, but the only thing I want, and on both sides of my family, and I'm even telling my church family right now, every now and then you guys go, we're going to, we're going to give you a gift. That's so sweet. If you want to give me something particular, let me tell you what I want for Christmas this year. I received in the mail, this is the Send Relief gift catalog. Now, the Send Relief, that is a dual cooperative group between the International Mission Board and the North American Mission Board. So it is our SBC groups coming together and Send Relief. And it's the coolest thing. I got this and I was looking at it. Let me tell you what you can do right here. For $25, you can strengthen a community internationally by giving a family 10 chickens. It says here that 10 chickens are a versatile gift for impoverished families. Chickens provide eggs and meat and can serve as the basis for a small business for $25. That's pretty cool. For $50, you can give a, a family internationally a pair of pigs. And you're going, well, that's just funny. Who wants to give people pigs? Or you can give people rabbits or goats or seeds or mosquito netting. Or you come over here, you can give them a food box or a blanket or shelter. Or I come over here, and there was one I saw over here. I've got to probably find it. But uh, care for a foster family, $500. It's a nice gift. Pajamas and a stuffed animal. It says, children placed in foster care often arrive with very few personal belongings. Bring a moment of calm to their chaos with the gift of new pajamas and a stuffed animal. $25. Let 
And it just goes on and on. And I just love that idea. And my family's probably rolling their eyes going, you really want me to buy you chickens and a pig? I do. That's what I want for Christmas is I want people to. And if you're going, I love that idea. Well, you come find me. I'll have this near me. You can snap the QR code off this thing, and you can, too, help families for Christmas this year, whether it's you make it your gift or whether it's just something that you choose to give. But uh, I think that that is a wonderful idea. My family, as I said, is rolling their eyes at me, but that's okay. That's all I want for Christmas. And I also just, uh, just echoed in my mind, Angel and I have been living in the same house for 28 years. And last week, or this, earlier this week, she said, all I want for Christmas, this is Angie, she said, all I want for Christmas are new doorknobs. <laughs> you know, eventually those things just quit working. So Angela's Christmas came early this week, and I got her two, two new doorknobs. That's romantic, don't you think? <laughs> all right. All right, let's stand and read from God's Scripture. With that as a background of gifts, let's stand and read God's Scripture from Isaiah chapter 9, and we'll read verses 6 and 7. It says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom, to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Thank you, church. You may be seated. I want to encourage you. I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures today that you're going to want to write down because I am hopeful that you're going to want to study this topic. As you know, I normally am and very book-oriented and studied, and we preach through books. But every now and then, especially at Christmas, let's say, we're going topical. And so for the next four weeks, we're going to be working on scriptures that have a Christmas background to them, and we're going to then challenge ourselves this Christmas season. Isaiah is sharing a prophetic promise in this scripture. He says in verse 6, for unto us a child is born. This is the prophecy about Jesus being born. It's about hope. If you go back and read it in the context of what Isaiah is dealing with, they're dealing with struggles and hope. And God says, I will take care of you. I will give you hope. But then prophetically speaking, we know that hundreds of years later, he's talking about the birth of Jesus, God's son. Verse 6 goes on to say, for unto us a child is born, for unto us a son is given. Now, note, in my Bible, and it might be yours too, if it's the Pew Bible, I know it's true because it's identical Bibles. It says here, unto us a son is given. The word son is capitalized. That's a pronoun. That's a personal pronoun. This is not a son is given. This is the son is given. And church, we need to understand that at Christmas, that's the message, that God loved us and sent his son for us. God is sending a baby into the world, and that baby is the son of God incarnate in man. This is the basis of what we believe at Christmas. This is the basis of what we should stand for, what we should share, what we should be about as it relates to Christmas. 
We know that many hundreds of years later from Isaiah chapter 9, this prophecy became a reality in a manger in Bethlehem. And we're not going to talk a lot about the manger in Bethlehem or any of those other characters or stories in the Bible because we've got three more weeks to be able to talk more about the Christmas scriptures. So I started just reading this one a little bit more today. Did you know that this prophecy that Isaiah is talking about was planned from the beginning? In Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, and you're going, Jeff, that's not a Christmas scripture. It really is. Listen to this. Isaiah 4, 4 and 5 says, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. Do you notice the word gave? God gave. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And so I started reading these scriptures and I started seeing this word, give or gave. And so it just hit me. I started doing a, a topical study in God's word about God as a giver. Isn't that what we think about for Christmas? What are we going to give? What are we going to give? What are we going to give? Or what are we going to get? What are we going to get? Big thing going on in my family right now, as I told you, we draw names, and you can put your wish list out there. About half my family never puts a wish list out. Do you know how hard it is to buy for somebody that you don't know what they want? But we, we get into this gift-giving thing when it comes to Christmas, and I think that we need to stop as a church. Here we are early in the month of December, and we have an opportunity to refocus ourselves for Christmas time around God being a giver. Because many times, if we're not careful, we can make Christmas about much, much more than it was originally intended to be about. But God intended Christmas to be about him and him being a giver. He gave his son. Now, my Christmas verse, you want to write this down. I'm probably going to tell you this verse a hundred times in the month of December. 2 Corinthians 9 15. Write that down. 2 Corinthians 9, 15. This is my Christmas verse. Maybe you want to adopt it for your Christmas verse this year. Here's what it says. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Again, the word give. So I want to spend the next few minutes of our time together, time together giving you some Scriptural support for God and giving, how he gives to us. And so if you're a note taker, get ready. And on the back of your uh, call to action, you can write that down. Or if you need to use one of those envelopes right there, it's okay. We'll get more. If you're not a note taker, today is the day you need to begin to get in, be a note taker. You need to write this down. God may challenge you and set your whole Christmas perspective over the next little bit. So let's just talk about two or three things that, that God has it comes to give. God gives us life. That first scripture I want you to write down is Isaiah 42, verse 5. I've got it written down right here. You don't need to turn there. But God gives us life. Let me tell you what Isaiah 42, 5 says. It says, Thus says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out, who spread forth the earth and that which comes from it, who gives breath to the people on it and spirit to those who walk on it. Church, can I just remind you that in this moment, you are alive. 
You breathe. Let's all just take a breath. And your heart beat anywhere from three or four to eight or ten times since I said this. You are alive today because God willed it so. Amen. God gives us life. And I'm talking physical life. You know, we've seen lots of things over the last few months where all of a sudden life, we're reminded, Scripture tells us this life is short, like the grass, like a vapor, like a flower, here and then gone. And when we woke up this morning, God gave you life. Gave. Awesome. Aren't you glad? Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. And in this moment, thank you, God, for life. Now, God also just he gives us more than just life. He gives us the right. Write that. You can write the right. John 1.12. John 1.12 says this, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God to those who believe in his name. Do you know that when you come to know Jesus as your Savior, you're redeemed, you become a child of God. You are part of a heavenly, spiritual family. I just read a few minutes ago, Ephesians chapter 4, I mean, Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 and 5, talked about we were adopted as sons. So when you come to know Jesus, not only do you have life, but you've been given the right to become a child of God. He has adopted you through Jesus, his son. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift that we have the right to be a child of God. Not only that, but God continues to give as we look through his word. God gives us forgiveness. 1 John 1, 9, if you want to write that down, it says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I've heard it said, as you have before, but when we understand forgiveness and the cleansing of God, we become in the eyes of God as if we have never sinned. Never. Now, maybe right now you have a sin that you believe or that Satan is seeking to try to convince you, separates you from God. A sin that makes you unfit for his service, unable to serve or to be used by God. I want to share a few verses, and I use these verses. I went back in April I shared these verses with you in April, but I want to share them with you again so that we correctly can view what God does with our sin. Have you ever heard somebody go, well, I know God forgive, can forgive me, but I'm never going to be able to forgive myself. That is the most arrogant statement a person could ever make. We go, that's, that's humility. No, what you're saying is God might be able to do something but I'm, my standard's higher than God's, and I'm never going to forgive me. It's, it's, it's arrogance. So let's correctly see what God tells us in his word about our sin. Psalm 103, 12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions. Now, I can tell you how when you go east, you never go west. 
They never meet. That's how far away your sins are. Isaiah 1.18, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall be white as wool. Isaiah 38.17, indeed, it was for my own peace that I had great bitterness, but you have lovingly delivered my soul from the pit of corruption. You have cast all my sins behind your back. God says, your sins are gone. I don't see them. Micah 7, 9 says, He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. You find that deepest, darkest place in the sea that God created, and your sins have gone there, if not further down. 1 John 1, 9, If we confess our sins, He is faithful to, and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Wow. But there's a reminder, the reason I read that verse again. You know what I believe are the worst sins in the world based upon Scripture? 1 John 1, 9 just said it. Sins that we don't confess. Regardless of what it is, regardless of when it was, regardless of what you've done and where you've been, God says that when you come to know Jesus, he gives you forgiveness. And that sin is gone forever. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. God not only gives us all of these things, but he continues to give in his word. He gives us eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That is Romans 6, 23. It says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We have the right. And we can have forgiveness. And once we accept the gift of God, Jesus' Son, we can have salvation. But note, I really want to pick at this a little bit. If you notice, in, it says here, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Church, let me tell you what that did not say. It did not say that the gift of God is eternal life, period. And you're going, okay, you need to help me a little bit there. It says... You're giving eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. You have a specific eternal life because here's the thing that I want to share with you is that God's word teaches that when you were born, when God ignited your soul, you will never die. Never. You will either end up eternally in heaven with Christ Jesus, our Lord. Or you'll end up separated from God in a place that the Bible calls hell. And so we need to understand that we have been given the opportunity to have eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Do you, everybody, you need to really think about that. Life is eternal. Where you spend it is what is still up for grabs. And I pray that you know where yours is. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now, you're probably beginning to see a pattern here. Give, 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 give. Well, let me give you a few more. First Thessalonians chapter 
4, verse 8 says, Therefore, he who rejects this does not reject man, but God who has also given us his Holy Spirit. Church, let me tell you, God has given you. When you come to know Jesus as your Savior, you are given the Holy Spirit of God. You're not given a piece of God. You're given the entirety of the Holy Spirit. Scripture says that's the deposit. He's going to come back and get us. But you are given that, and that Holy Spirit's job Lead you, guide you, direct you, help you understand Scripture, convict you. The Holy Spirit of God does so many things in our lives that we don't even give Him credit for. Thanks be to God for His indescribable gift. James 1.5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given to him. Church, I'll tell you this. I walk into counseling situations or conversations, and if I am wise enough to stop and go, Lord, I know that you have a purpose in this. Please give me the insight through your spirit, through your word, to say and do the right things in this moment. Lord, give me wisdom. Church, he does. He gives us wisdom if we John 10, 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And I have come that they may have, that's give to me, life, and they may have it to the full. God gives us the ability to have abundant, full life. We're not supposed to just be getting by in this world. We're supposed to have full life. Matthew 7, 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Do you know that God, everything he has given you is good for your good? Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. All of this through Jesus and Jesus alone. I'm almost done. John 14, 27. Jesus said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give. To you, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. It says that God gives us, now church, make sure you read this right, so I want you to write these things. You go go back and look at it. But John 14, 27 doesn't say God gives us peace. Jesus said, I give you peace my peace, the peace of Jesus. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Amen. Romans 15, 13. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. God gives us hope. God gives us joy. God gives us peace abounding, Scripture says. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. One more I want to share with you. God gives his people strength and power. Psalm 68, 35 says, O God, you are more awesome than your holy places. The God of Israel is he who gives strength and power to his people. God desires to give you all that you need to live the life that he's called you 
to live. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Now, I did a little bit of studying this week on some other things too, and I, I, I looked up this word, it's an idiom. Now, many of you guys might know what an idiom is, but I'm going to take the time because I knew what it was once I heard an example of one, but I didn't know the word itself, most likely. But an idiom is defined as a group of words <coughs> established by usage as having a meaning, but that meaning is not deducible from those of the individual words. And you're going, Jeff, you're going to, have to say that differently, and I will. Words that have a meaning given to them beyond what those words would actually mean themselves. And you're going, Jeff, can you please just give me an example? Okay. It's raining cats and dogs. That's an idiom. Those words, it's raining cats and dogs. Everybody in here said, I know exactly what you mean. That means it is pouring rain outside right now. It's raining cats and dogs. We get that. But those words, it's raining cats and dogs, that's the silliest thing you've ever heard. Right? That's an idiom where it's been given a meaning. These words have been given a meaning that the words themselves do not deserve. It's become part of who we are. Give you a few other examples. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. That makes no sense. But yet we, we use that. Or we do something at the drop of a hat. Or when we do something, it was a piece of cake. You guys have used these, right? These are idioms. Or you are barking up the wrong tree. We know what that means. Or here's another one, probably one of the second most... Don't count your chickens before they are hatched. That's an idiom. We know what it means, and the words itself don't make any sense. But we know that there's a bigger picture here. Well, I read an idiom this week that I'm struggling with. There's an idiom out there that's called the gift that keeps on giving. Now, we all know that gifts are inanimate objects, and that actually, that gift that you put in a box and give to somebody, it cannot give and give. But we know what it means. What it means in this situation is that the gift that keeps on giving benefits will continue for an extended period of time. And I don't think that that phrase, in our Christian perspective, is an idiom. I want to refocus it for us. Jesus is the gift that keeps on giving. Always. Gives us life. Eternal life. Hope. Joy. Peace. Strength. Wisdom. He gives us. He gives us. He gives us. Give. 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 And those words make sense. Jesus gives. And so we're sitting here, and today's December the 3rd. You know, the way Thanksgiving happened so early. I think Thanksgiving happened the earliest possible day that it could have happened this year, which means that you get the largest amount of time between Thanksgiving and Christmas that we could get. And we're going to be frantically running around. We've already started at our house, buying and buying and buying gifts and gifts and trying to give things. 
that'll just meet the need. Church, can I tell you that if we, as a body of believers, unite together, and it is our desire to give the only gift that keeps on giving, Jesus, that if we allow our holiday season to be driven by God as a giver, it will change how we view everything in our lives. Now, back to my send relief catalog and me desiring my family to give 10 chickens to an impoverished family in the world someplace for me. You know, these gifts are intended to help establish long-term help and benefits to these families. And I like that. But there's only one thing better, and that's given the eternal benefits of Jesus to people. You know why I'm encouraged to see Ayla being baptized today? Because I know that her testimony touched you in this room. And I know it will touch people as she walks in this life because Jesus has been giving to her, will continue to give to her, and he desires to work through her. Church, that's what he wants for each of us. It's my prayer that we will see God as the giver that he's always been and that it will impact how we walk through this Christmas season. Perhaps this Christmas, we can give that one perfect gift, and that's helping somebody come to know Jesus as their Savior. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Amen? Amen. God is good.